National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire class, 2019. Yes, Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon, they can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back on the podcast. Another episode today is a dear friend. I say that all the time, but this guy actually uh, is somebody that I talk to on the regular uh, through social media and through our New Jersey connections. Uh, we've become friends. We've hung out. We drank beers. We've done lunch. Uh, and we talk a lot about the industry and how we're going to change the world. And uh, without further ado, Robert Pip Paparo. How are you, brother? I'm great. And, you know, we, we did. It is very true. None of that was a lie. We've done all those things. We have. But I just, you actually came to my little hashtag Allentown NJ not PA for our first meeting ever. And we yeah. had lunch here in, in my little town. And I totally forgot about that. We like, did that because I'm trying, I was trying to, at the time, get you to sign on board you know part of national fire radio was to look at it as a platform and bring in other personalities and 
this little guy with a mohawk who was very big and still is big in the fitness world. And most people that are listening right now probably would recognize you from uh, the nonprofit 555 Fitness uh, and a few other organizations that you've been a part of over the years. But fitness is a very big part of your life. And, um, you know, what's fun about this conversation today is we're not going to talk anything about fitness. And that, that's what I love, we right? Well, it always comes into the topic. It but does, but but I also think it's important, too, to recognize that you're a fireman outside of that. Fitness is, is one avenue of your life, and it's an important avenue, but you also wear many other hats, and you are a career fireman. You're a captain in the city of New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, you've been there for 18 years, 26 years in the emergency services, so you've been around, and you bring a lot to the table, and I think sometimes guys get... Uh, I don't know, they get narrowed in on to a specific thing and that's what they're known for, which is fine. But there's a lot more to people other than maybe what everybody sees uh, from the outside looking in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we just were name dropping some folks before we started. And I even said like, oh, he's a big truck guy. Yeah. But really, he's a captain. He's a leader. He works on engines all the time. He's a firefighter. And you're very correct. There were it, it's, a, it's kind of a unique thing, right? Because people in the fire service pitch it home me as as the fitness guy in a way um, but understand that i'm a firefighter too you look at the flip side of, of what we've done a lot of with 555 and that's working with the fitness industry as a whole and the majority of folks i've met on this journey don't even believe i'm a real firefighter right so well, like no you're a fitness dude you own a gym or you're you yeah. a fitness company i'm like no i go right on a fire but i think what's 72 hours yeah and i think what's fun about that though is you get to bridge that gap right because the importance in the mission of 555 fitness obviously is bringing health and wellness to firefighters and emergency services you know across the board but you can bridge that gap between you know corporate in, in the, the fitness world to the emergency services. And I know that's a big part of what you guys do. So for that, being a firefighter, you need to be because you need to be in the trenches to understand what's needed and, and desired by firefighters. For sure. I mean, that is a, a huge thing that we've tried to do and trying to explain. <laughs> I can't, I laugh about it, I guess, because you, you just can't believe how many people have a kind of a stake in everything it is we do. And then when it comes to, fitness as one thing in a fire service even look at firehouse design and designing gyms into every firehouse whether it be career or volunteer these days is all happening yeah Um, and it's exciting it's not an afterthought like it used to be no totally not an afterthought i think it's it's i have not seen and i just was looking at the latest edition of firehouse magazine and they were doing their uh station design yeah station design awards and i think almost more than half of the pictures showed the actual gym yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool because when we started 555, you know, 10 years ago, we're going to be in our 10th year next year. You know, that was not even close to being on people's radar as designing the gym. Some places were doing it. And to be able to see the evolution over these 10 years has just been a, a very cool thing for all of us. Involved. Yeah, which, which is a testament to you guys and other organizations that have pushed the importance of fitness in our job. And, you know, I think physical fitness has been on the forefront now for probably the, the very many of five to 10 years now in the, in the industry to understand how important taking care of yourself is physically. But now we're on to the mental aspect, too, which is super important also. And I know that's also important to you and in, in the mission of what you guys do. So. 
So uh, it's good, man. Taking care of our own, you know, being mentally and physically prepared to do the job is is uh, absolutely critical in, uh, in providing that service to our citizens. So I agree. But listen, I said we weren't going to talk about fitness, and here we are five minutes in talking about fitness. I want to, we, you know, the intent of this podcast and what we've been doing lately, and you've been on the podcast before and, and so on, but, um, you know, the intent is to pick one or two topics and go at it. And I, you, you hit me up and you were like, Hey, I got a great idea for a topic because you're dealing with it regularly. And I know a lot of other people are too. And that's the whole concept of riding up or acting in a position. And I think it makes for a great conversation. So I'm ready to unpack this with you. Um, you know, give me a little rundown of how this came to be a topic in your head and how what you've been dealing with. Because <laughs> I because I do it again. Yeah. Um, so my department, uh, the way we break things up uh, officer wise is we have lieutenants, we have captains and we have deputy chiefs. Um, essentially, a lieutenant and a captain both work on the apparatus as a company level officer and the deputy chief runs the entire shift. Um, so as a firefighter, I want to say I had, I think when I took my first lieutenant's exam, I had four or five years on the job. Um, the way that my department works here in Jersey, we use the state civil service. So with three years, um, on, you can take your first test. And then the way my department does acting, we call them acting lieutenants, but they fill in for the captain as well, considering, you know, the jobs are kind of the same in that aspect. Um, the way that we attempt to do it, because this is how it it generally works well, uh, if we have an active lieutenant's list, we utilize that list and the firefighters that are on that list, regardless of rank, rotate around in the acting positions. Um, so when a captain or a lieutenant is off, the next firefighter with the lowest amount of hours, um, steps in and acts in that role for the 24 hour shift. I did that for about six years until I, I was going to say so. it's been a very long time, right? <laughs> it was, I got promoted and I was trying to think of this on my way home from work this morning. Cause I, you should know these dates and numbers, but I'm so bad with them. It's all right, man. Uh, I acted as a Lieutenant for about five or six years. Um, and some of that time uh, we had a full, we had an opening, you know, an, an officer was injured on my shift and there weren't many people on my shift on the list, I believe. So I, I was almost like the full-time sub for a little while there towards the end. But Is that because contractually, the contractually they couldn't make you because the, the spot was filled? It was just the guy was out on medical? Exactly. Okay. Yes. So we had the spot. So we have yeah. a certain amount of spots for officers and, you know, until and they someone don't, pretty much retires. And they don't require uh, a boss then to sit in that seat. So there's there's no overtime for the other three or, or however many there are, right? So then that requires whoever's on shift that day, the senior guy has to move up, if you will, or the, the guy that... The, the person on the list. Yep, yeah, the person on the list right. moves up to act, yeah. Okay. Um, and that's a big... You know, it's a big difference, especially when you're younger and newer on the job. You want to take these tests um, and then you come out and I came out extremely low on my first test on the list. Like no chance of getting promoted that first time around. Yeah. Um, But I was getting that experience of acting Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, you know, it's your practice in a way. But it's not practice because you could catch a first due job five minutes into your first day acting. Sure. Um, sure. 
so so that was a while and then just really to answer your, your question why it's more on my forefront again is because about where were I now? a year and a half ago i got promoted to captain and in my department captains act on the car when the deputy chief is off right so i went from being a lieutenant for six ish years seven years there kind of in a good spot on my engine company i worked on truck for a little bit i did some admin stuff there but to now all right now you're going to be the deputy chief in charge of the shift and it's a whole different ball game so that's what's got it in my forefront really right now what i mean so so many challenges there right um one you know we talk about this a lot but the fact of one day you're riding backwards and the next day your your number gets pulled and you get promoted and now you're you're thrusted into a, a company officer position do you guys, and uh, I don't want to like specifically talk about your department in general because, you know, I just sometimes guys get weird about that. But where I'm, go- where I'm going with this is what type of preparation was given um, to, in, in a formal aspect, not even acting up or riding up, but just making that transition from backstep firefighter to that front seat boss. Do you get any type of in-house training or understanding as to what that job entails and, and, and so on? So uh, we are a smaller department, you know, it's about a hundred of us. So yeah. four shifts of 25. Um, and we in the past, I would say 10 years have attempted to get some form of a program off the ground. Right. And it just has not happened yet. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, the onus is on you is on the member. And I think that's how it is in the majority of departments around the country a career or volunteer. I mean, I do know there are a lot of, you know, you go to officer school in some places. Sure. If you have that ability, right. you can take classes. There, there are mentorship type things. But really what I think it comes down to is, is that individual and wanting to learn the job that is what the officer does. Um, what we've done recently, what's happened to me a little bit throughout my career was, you know, when our staffing is high, the officer would let you ride as the officer, or I've yeah. done that as a lieutenant, you know, right, let right, right. the newest actor, Hey, you're, I'm going to sit in the back and you're going to sit up front. You make the decisions and I'm here kind of as like a preceptor. If you need anything, I'm right here. So that's, it's funny. Right before you said that I wrote down on my notepad, I wrote down shadow and I said, captain with an arrow to deputy chief, because from lieutenant to captain riding in that same seat, some, most of the changes really are probably just more administrative duties, not fire ground duty, right? Because you're you're the boss of that company. You're in charge of that company for that shift or tour. Maybe the captain's in charge of that company overall, right? But it's probably more of an administrative difference between captain and lieutenant. And in, in, I'm just assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but the difference between the apparatus and driving the car as the shift commander, oh. right, is night and day. Oh, oh. So, it was, so I did I did get a couple shifts with the deputy. Okay, um, so there was a, a, at least a few shifts of shadowing, if you will, a ride along just to, just to get a comprehension because it's a whole different animal. You go from, so the joke, <laughs> the, first, the first joke was, yo, when's the last time you drove anything? And I'm like, uh, I drove the rescue truck to a call one day and I wasn't very good at it. Like, cause I was like the only guy to do it. And I was, I got in the rescue and I'm like, this how do I start this thing? thing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all dark, right. Like where's the door clicker in this? Yeah. Thing? Right. What, right. 
<laughs> like, because when you're an officer you, in, in, in a career department, you rarely ever drive, you know, or, or maybe you move the rig once in a while. Um, so that was the first joke was like, hey, buddy, now you're driving this car. And not only are you driving this car, but you get very comfortable in the seat having time to process yeah. um, where you're going to, what's going to happen, street conditions, all those things, because I have a driver taking care of that part. Well, now... I'm processing all that while safely navigating the suburban to where I need to go. Um, and so that's the first scary part of it all. Well, absolutely. I mean, all of a sudden you get thrusted from the focus of the front seat of the apparatus is really just as, as that parking brake hits, right? Because your chauffeur is taking care of all the necessary things in route, on scene, positioning for the most part, unless there needs to be a conversation with the officer, best case scenario type thing. But other than that, as soon as that air brake's pulled, your boots at the ground, that's when you take charge of what's happening next with your company. But now in the car, when you act in that position, I mean, from the second the tones drop and the garage door goes up, it's you and you only. Yep. You're, you are everything in that. And yeah. you're trying to process all of that. Um, and you get to you get to see things too. Cause I mean, it's more than just fires. We all know that cause fires are, sure. are few and far between these days, but alarm panel wise, you walk into some of these buildings and, and we're a city, you know, it's like a city on the rise is what they call New Brunswick. Cause it's just high rise after high rise. And every, I have to find the fire control room in half the buildings we go to. I have to find the Knox box in half the buildings. Cause on the apparatus, you're not always there. Um, I've spent most of my career in one station. Yeah. So going as the acting deputy to the other districts, I trust that company level officer or the, the guys that are working there to be like, Hey, come in here with me. Cause I don't know where this alarm panel is. Plain yeah. And simple. Right. Um, and, and that's a big part of it is not, is knowing what you don't know and where to get the help for it. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all encompassing. I mean, it's every type of run possible. And typically, does uh, deputies arriving first? I mean, are you out in front of the apparatus or are you following, shadowing the apparatus on the way? Um, so I'm out first okay. from from our house. Yeah, different different departments do it differently. Sometimes the the battalion or the deputy is out behind the apparatus, you know. Um, but you know that makes a difference too because first arriving, right? It's it's positioning. It's it's all of it. It's comprehending and 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 digesting everything in front of you. And that windshield view can be overwhelming to a guy that hasn't been doing it for very long, especially when there's people hanging from the fire escape or fire showing or uh, double park cars or dead hydrants or snow. I mean, the list goes on and on. But what I'm getting at is. To prepare you for that, you go from an engine boss who all you have to do is be responsible for getting that line to the proper place and putting water on the fire. It's a pretty simple task. And then you get like thrusted, it. and then you, yeah, we all do, right? But then, <laughs> but then you get in that seat where not only do you have to make sure that engine gets water to the fire, which was your old job, now you got to make sure that coordinated searches, opening up, ventilation, I mean, secondary lines, mutual aid, right? I mean, all these different things come come at you, and to prepare our people, it it surely takes quite a long time to digest and understand and learn to do that job well. And it really takes time on the job to do that. So in, in that car position, you're learning as you go. I mean, you don't have any For other sure. choice. There's no, there's no other way about it. 
A hundred percent. And every, so you have all that, right? Um, and, and, and those are the things that I almost want to say the, the calls tend to be the easier part. Then you have all the administrative yeah, I, I didn't even get to go that, along yeah. with that. Yeah. Right. My, I, I worked yesterday and our shift starts at eight and my phone started at 7 a.m. with some personnel stuff Yep. that I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm trying to drive my car, drink my coffee, text. People, so even even as the acting, because because you're filling in for that tour, then all that responsibility gets dumped on you. Yes, Damn. <laughs> for us for for that day for sure. Yeah, um, and and sometimes for a little bit longer than that too. Um, but in in some ways, it's good because again, it's preparing you for the next level. You know, should I ever make deputy? I've had this practice time, sure. just like I did as an actor for to become a lieutenant, and. It's all about how you're processing the information because I process things, like you said, much differently when I go back to my engine assignment, not on the car. However, I'm still thinking like the guy on the car now because I've done it and I have a new respect for that job and what that person's going through. So when I thought I understood it before, I didn't really understand it. And I think that's a, a big thing to learn for, for younger firefighters wanting to promote, you know, is no one is ever prepared for these positions. Walk in my, you walk in my shoes, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I, I think that brings up a really good point, Pip, because we, we all typically think we know what somebody else is dealing with, right? And, and in the firehouse or in positions like this where the deputy chief, we see him as the guy that sits in the car and does what he does, and you think you can handle that job, you think you understand. And probably seven out of ten times, they go out the door, yeah. I mean, it's bread and butter, right? It's simple. It's a it's a silence reset. Silence reset, right? But... Then, then when the when it's necessary and when you gotta bring your A game, that's where I think there's a disconnect to really understand the magnitude of the job. And I, when I say walk in my shoes, it's a matter of getting out and understanding what that position truly entails. Yeah, I, and, I think it's so and on the administration side too. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm just I don't want to lose this train of thought. Yeah. The amount of bullshit that comes through that makes it up to you in that acting in that position when if those guys ever knew how much bullshit had to be dealt with at that level, they'd probably maybe cut out some of the bullshit. You would, you would hope. I've yeah, you would hope. Tell them. I, I've been trying to express that to them. Now I work with, I work with really good guys and I know everybody says those things all the time, you know, but I'm trying to explain to them, Hey, look, this, I'm trying my best here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that phone keeps ringing. And it's something new and it's something new. And it, it's, they, they like when, when you're in the, in the, in the back room or watching a game or watching a movie or something like that, and I'm sitting down with them and the phone rings and it's the upstairs line. They're all just razzing me. Cause they know they're like, oh, let's 100%. see what his face looks like on this call. Yeah. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Yeah. And I'm like rolling my eyes. And that's <laughs> when know. you go, and that's when you go, Hey fuckers, if it's bad, I'm taking it out on all of you. It's going to be a bad Everybody day. Rides. Yeah. Right. Everybody up. <laughs> Every, let's go. Everybody rides. What do you mean? It's an elevator alarm. Yeah, everybody's going. <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. Totally yeah. abusing my power. Well, you know what? Listen, you put, they, they, they thrusted you into that position. Well, make some decisions, right? No, you guys don't like, <laughs> Well, and that's it. You have to make so so. You said trusted. No one trusted me there. You no, know, I, I made these I know. choices, right? Yeah. No, no, I know, I know. But we all make these choices. But you also have to be ready to make those decisions. Yeah. And talk about in a that. smaller 
a smaller department like mine, you know, I know everyone that works. I know everyone that works in my department. Maybe I don't know the guys who've been there for like a year's name on another shift. I kind of know their names now, but everyone on my shift, I know, I know their wives or their girlfriends. I know their kids. Most of them are my friends, but now I'm totally their boss on those days. The same as a firefighter going into that acting position and that mutual respect for each other and each other's job because I've done their job. You know, they haven't all done this job necessarily, but if I pretend like my shit doesn't stink and I got this and I'm, you know, I have every answer and I have all that, they're going to see right through that. They know that that's BS. So why don't I just be the most honest person I can with that and be like, this job sucks sometimes. Like, and, and they ask and I'm like, I don't rest at night is a really good term to get, you know, it's like being a rookie all over again when you first go to the car. Um, fortunately I've been at it now for about a year and a half. Uh, my shift has recently been without a deputy. So myself and the other captain have been splitting the time. Yeah. So the more you do it, the better and more comfortable I'm feeling at it. Yeah. Confidence, right? I mean, confidence comes through and it's, uh, it, it confidence only comes with experience. Yeah, that, that is for sure. And, and you kind of wish you never wish for fires. And I, I definitely don't wish for fires, especially when I'm on that car but you almost wish you have a little smaller stuff happening that gets you more engaged on a more often amount because you'll be able to have that knowledge a little bit more, you know, have that experience that you get because you can't fake this stuff. Yeah. With a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, you know, I just think back of like when I was, you know, in my volunteer department, you know, uh, you know, being having the ability to come up through the ranks and be an assistant chief and then a chief of the department, it gives you that windshield time for for a few years, right? And so if you're a volunteer outside of your career department, you might get that leg up at one point, you know, that when you do get to a car position in your career, you might have had a few years of experience. And so this is really geared more towards the, the, the people that never had the opportunity to ride that position before. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it is certainly a challenge and it's certainly something completely different than what you were accustomed to for, for the many years of riding on the apparatus. When you talked about making decisions, I, I love that topic because we need decision makers in the fire service. We need guys that can look at a situation, make a decision and go, as a leader, how important is it to have people that are making decisions and, and trusting in your people to make those right decisions? Um, it's the literally most important thing you can have. You know, knowing your people and knowing that level of trust and that level of respect. I think it's more respect than trust, honestly, is what, what I feel like because I'm not always going to trust you when you tell me, ah, I think we can return all companies. It's just a, a light smoke haze. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe we yeah. just return one engine. You should like see now. what I got from the street, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think that's it. Like I told you, I, I told you that. Sto- so I guess, can we tell fire stories on this, on this one? We not can, a lot of people do that, right? We can tell. No, I want to tell. I want to talk yeah. fire. Nobody yeah. ever talks fire with me. It's always said, no, nobody ever does. Confidence, so, respect, I, you know, decisions. Get out of here. Let's talk fires, man. You've heard my my big error story, sort of, in my learning of how to be on the car. Uh, dispatch to our level one trauma center, activated fire alarm, get it all the time. Yeah. Uh, I got there first. 
a kid was coming from the ER entrance. I walked in, you know, secure. I met security, met me right outside of the ER entrance. They're like, oh, it's the alarm is right in there uh, in the waiting room. The, the head's activated. You know, we don't, there's no calls for that. There, and like, I look in and I'm like, oh, there's no calls for that. I can see everything in there, right? Everything's good. I get on the air and return all companies. Uh, our car is called 21. I'm like, 21 will, was going to investigate with security. I walk in the ER and I have, we have to wear your mask in the hospital. And I walk in and I'm like, and I immediately get hit by a burning odor. And I'm like, wait. And now I have security and they're like maintenance staff engineering there. And I'm like, you guys don't smell that burning odor? And I'm like looking up and it's just drop ceiling. And I'm like, oh my God there's a fire underneath this drop ceiling and I got a water can in my car because I returned all the companies. And they're like, what, what, what do you mean? And I pull my mask down. I'm like, pull your mask down, smell. And I'm like, you guys don't smell that? And they go, oh no, that's him right there. And I look over to my left and on an EMS stretcher is a man that was just pulled out of a house fire three towns over, <laughs> literally still smoking, like smoking. His body was smoking. And I'm like, oh, and now I'm trying to be quiet because I can obviously hear me. Smell something on fire? And it's him on fire next to me. Oh, my God. Dude, my heart. I, Jeremy, I can't even tell you. I was just like, and I'm shaking my head, and I'm like, you guys have a good night. I'm going to go back and think about my my actions right now. Yeah. Man, I can't, yeah. Well, listen, man, I, everybody does it differently, right? I mean, you know, for us, we always use the companies to investigate, you know, the chiefs don't investigate. I mean, that's just how we operate. Um, you know, and everybody does it a little bit differently, but I, I just, it's funny, man, because that comes with, you know, experience and it's, it's also that level and not that you did anything wrong, but it's that level of complacency, right? Like look in, yeah, yeah man, there's the alarm head. It's red. And there's nothing in the room, and everything looks cool. You know, we could downsize this, hold one and one, hold the engine, hold the truck, whatever, or send everybody back. And then all of a sudden, it's like we didn't do a thorough investigation, and then all of a sudden, we find something that's like, holy shit, now it's like eating crow, calling companies back. Like, yeah, it, it, those are learning moments, man, for sure. Yeah. That was a big one, right? Yeah. Like, that was one of those, like, where I'm like, all right, we're going we're gonna to hold off on the rapid. I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. Seven, we get off at 8 o'clock in the morning. 7.40 this morning, we go to the same hospital for an alarm, and security's like, it's one floor down. Um, it's just an activated head. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a walk with you and look at this. Yeah. Um, just because, again, with the hospitals, you know, it's, it's a unique world than it was a few years back. And sure. there's no reason for me to bring in a company. Even what we were talking about before with, with flu and RSV and, and all this. Like, if I can not be far away from where I need to be and, and take a peek at it with them. And that's exactly what I did. I was like, nope, we're walking to where this head is. You're going to show it to me if it's not far away. And then I'm going to clear all the companies up. How about the fact that there was a guy laying on the stretcher just smoking yeah. from the job he got pulled from? I mean, that's totally, crazy. Like, totally. And like, like, and, and not to make light, like a bad burn victim. Like yeah. I was even shocked that they were at the hospital they were at. It was one of those where I looked over and I'm like, why aren't you at the burn center with this yeah. guy? But like, yeah, sitting up in the stretcher, hacking up his lung, 
of just everything soot, everything that a burn victim looks like was this guy. I was like, oh my, oh my god! I'm it looked like the guy from Beetlejuice. Anyway, that's all yeah. I'm picturing right now. What? And then, um, I, and then I yeah, go ahead. Wait, then I walk back when I go back after that call. I walk back in, in the kitchen or where everybody is, and they're like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like. <laughs> I gotta sit down for a minute. I'm like, you guys are not gonna believe this one that I just did, but I took that onus on me, right? Like, yeah. I let them know, like, yeah, it's a bit of a funny story. We can laugh about it, but everybody knew, like, yo, could effed up on this one. Like, this could have been really bad. Yeah, but you know really that embarrassing. But that could, but that that message then translates to the guys when you're open and honest about something like that, and you sit at the table and tell them, like, man, that was a close one. I almost screwed up. Like, blah blah blah. What if you had multiple runs at the same time and a single engine company took in that alarm and kind of did the same thing, right? So that message resonates with you're willing to share an error or a mistaken judgment or just something that went a little bit sideways of what it usually does. Sharing that kind of paints just a picture and educates your guys about the potentials that are out there. And maybe that engine boss or truck boss that are sitting at that kitchen table with you takes that in and then later on that night waits another 30 seconds before returning the next in company or something, right? Just, just to make sure that they're thorough in their decision-making. So sharing that and, 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 you know, putting yourself out there for some ridicule and ball busting, but in fact, you're, you're teaching along the way. I think that matters. Yeah. And I'm hoping the firefighters picked up. on. Yeah. That yeah. Too, yeah. 100%. You know, because that's another big thing when, when you're more in the acting lieutenant position than in the acting deputy position. In the acting lieutenant position, I always tell the new folks when they're, they're stepping up to act, hey, this is acting by committee for you. You know, you may have a guy next to you. I started acting with like five years on the job. My first shift acting, the driver was the senior man on the job and the guy sitting behind me had 20 years. And then there's me in the front seat. And that morning I was like, so friends, we're going to make group decisions today, right? Everybody's going to be on board with go team engine yeah. two out here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Cause I'm, res- I respect the hell out of you two guys and you've been seeing a lot more things than I do. You know, I'll talk on the radio and type the reports, but if there's something that you see me not doing right, you got to let me know. Um, and I think that's a big thing when you're first starting out because you're also getting your kind of style, you know, your, yeah you know, your cadence of how the day is going to be, because it is different than, than sitting in the back where you could be in an, it's, it's an unfortunate fact of just the society these days. Most people sitting in their back are looking down at their phone most of the time, no matter how many times you say, don't do that. Um, we're in the front seat. You're more like, Oh, please don't hit the parked car next to me as we're driving. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if some of these guys driving, you're better off looking down. <laughs> you, you sometimes maybe. Like, so, yeah. No one, no one definitely prepares you for that no. because there's a huge difference in that front right seat when there's a car parked. We, we like to tell the guys when they're learning to drive, the cars on the left, they move. The cars on the right don't. So just stay more to the left. hundred percent, man. You either stay on that yellow line or you straddle it. I mean, you know, Dude, I've yeah. been on the doghouse before. Like I've jumped oh, I believe. I believe. on and all yeah. like, onto the doghouse. Like, yeah. holy we used to have this guy that tree trimmed everywhere, man, and that that officer side mirror was would have a branch sticking out of it every freaking day, and oh, and finally we were like, man, you, you can't, you you you're not. I don't think you drive anymore, man. Like you just, <laughs> we, just the budget doesn't allow for that you. much glass, you know? Like Jesus. 
maybe you should act. Maybe you should act. Yeah. It's a good spot for you. You yeah. don't have to worry about driving. So, well, listen, give me some lessons learned then. I mean, you've, you've been doing this acting up now for many years. And, you know, maybe from, uh, you know, lieutenant and captain's kind of similar, but then to that deputy position where you're acting in the car. I mean, do you have a couple just, I don't know, rules of thumb, lessons learned, a couple things that you could share that might just help somebody that's listening to this go, like, yeah, man, that's that's a good idea. Like, it's something I need to consider or think about, et cetera. Yeah, for sure, right? Big, you know, we're most of us in this, and it's a cliche, but, you know, that type A, go, go, go personality, let's go. You know, just like you said, that, that air brake hits and I'm boots on the ground going to put out a fire. Um, in these acting and officer positions, always take that extra couple seconds to just process. You know, you may have the right call. The second you pull up, you may have the exact call for what's right. But if you take that extra three, five seconds and think about it, it's going to be a much better call. You're going to see something you didn't see or think about something in a different way. And that goes personally for me uh, more on an administrative level than I even on a call level where someone tells me something and I have to think for a few seconds to process it all and then give my response. Um, so it's almost like slowing down to go faster, right? We say that, uh, what's that one that all the engine guys say? Slow is smooth, right? That one? Yeah, fa- uh, yeah slow is yeah, fast, right? fast is smooth. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's that same type of a thing, except it's a mental work more than a physical work. Um, and there's always more to learn. You know, I think the maturing throughout your career, and I feel like in in what you're doing now, you know, evolution and maturity of National Fire Radio, um, it's a topic that you keep going over. Almost every guest I hear on here is talking about that maturing. Yeah. And you have to be a big part of that maturing, right? It just doesn't happen automatically. Uh, And it's, it's funny you say that, and I think the reason why I'm talking about it so much is I've really come to recognize the difference between the person I am today versus the guy I was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And, and I'm not just saying in the firehouse, but in life. And I, you know, sometimes it's important to self-reflect a little bit and, and look at yourself and, and figure out where you were, where you are and where you want to go. And so for me, maturity certainly has become one of those topics that I'd like, I want to explore further because I think it matters, you know, like when, and I don't mean to get off topic a little bit, but no, no, this just, is the topic. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, to, to just me personally, like I look at the guys that I, I now surround myself with in the fire service and I look at the caliber of these guys, where they come from, how they carry themselves, how they conduct business, how they talk, who they keep company with. And I, and I really started to realize that it matters. It matters more than you think. And when you start hanging around good, solid people, they make you better. And that's no bullshit. Like, people say that, and and I've always said it too, but I've never really understood it until as of late. I would say in the last year or two, that it really does matter who you run with and who you surround yourself with. And um, and I, I just think that's really important. And if you, you hang with losers, you're going to be a loser. If you hang with complainers, you're going to become a complainer. If you hang with winners, you will become a winner. And I, I think that that needs to be said more and more because I think it's easy to become a loser. I think it's easy to become a complainer. 
It is not easy to be a winner. It sounds easy, and it's nice. It's nice to be a winner, but it takes a hell of a lot of work, and it takes a lot of self-reflection to really look at yourself and say, if I want to get to that status and I want to be at this location in my life, it's going to take this, this, and this to get there. And all the other stuff has to become secondary or not even a thought anymore. And I look at who I surround myself with today more than ever, and I know that I'm on the right track, and I think that that's because of maturity. I think it's because I've been able to really hold my, starting to hold myself more accountable than ever. And I have, a, I have things that I want to do, and the only way I'm going to be able to do them is keeping the right company. And I, and I just, yeah, go ahead, please. It, no, but exactly what you're saying is, is, is it ties into the topic of, of acting, of, of doing our jobs, of, of all this, is you're looking at that bigger picture, right? Because when you think of a complainer, whether you think you're a complainer or you're not, and we all complain, don't get me wrong on that end, but once that type of an attitude starts to spread amongst your friend group, you could very easily turn a group of winners into oh. a group of Without losers. Without a doubt. It doesn't take much. And nobody even notices it because it's just what's happening. It's that group dynamic I right, do. that they talk I get, about. It I get you. so freaking tired of it now. I really do. Now that I've recognized it and I recognize myself, like in, in any time that I find myself starting to complain about something, I'm like, nope, pull that back. I'm like, don't complain, fix it. You don't like it, yes. fix it or shut up. Right? Not, and go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead. no, no it's, it's, it's sad, right? It's fix it or shut up, or it's not even fix it. Just think if the first thing out of your mouth is this didn't happen to me or this didn't work for me, you're already that guy. You know what I mean? Like there's problems. There's problems everywhere in every way, shape or form you could think of. But instead of pointing out the problem, come up with a solution. Yeah, you know, I, how are we going to make this better? A big, a big part of this equation, right, is that people that complain and whine and carry on, right, and all they, they complain about everyone and everything. They complain about mutual aid companies. They complain about their, their second-in companies, or they complain about X, Y, and Z, right? But they never complain about their own life. And there is no way in hell that you go through life complaining about everything, but your life is good. And so where the focus needs to be is fix yourself, yeah. fix, fix your life, put your shit together, do some self-reflection and look at yourself and say, what's making me unhappy? Address that. And I promise you, your complaining and whining in the outside world will go away when you start being content with who you are in your home. And I think that that's a huge part of it. And so there is not a single complainer or whiner in this world that has a good life. They're struggling and they need, they need to focus on themselves before they focus on somebody else. And it's easy. It's easier to put the focus, the spotlight and the blame on somebody else and complain and whine about it instead of looking at yourself and saying, holy shit, I got to pick myself up. And listen, I say this from a point of view that I'm not perfect, that I'm a work in progress. I'm very much not happy with certain things in my life that I want to fix. And I am going to fix them. And I'm doing one thing at a time to get myself there. But I do know this. I rarely complain anymore. I rarely bitch and moan about things that are out of my control or things that I can't fix myself. It's not worth my time. That's it, man. You can't, and I know I'm going to mess this one up too, but I'm so bad at these. Maybe I'm making this one up, but like you can't move the mountain. 
but you sure can pick up a rock, yeah. right? Yeah. And that rock doesn't mean to throw it at someone else. That rock means to move it to a better place. And that's where a lot of this comes from. You know, a lot of times you, you get into this, this acting role and you're trying to change the world. And look, I cannot change my department overnight. It's a good point. Right? Uh, you just can't. No yep. one can. You can't change your shift overnight. You can't change your crew overnight. You can't change you overnight. It all takes work. And are there some things in my department that I just am baffled by that we're still doing it that way or we're not addressing we all have the speed right everybody has that yeah and there are some things that i'm like i can't fix that i have to work within this system so i can sit here and complain about that thing that none of us are going to be able to fix overnight or i can just say well how do i make it better when i need it to be better for that situation yeah um and and that's a big part of it too and in my life as well you know i I don't make any qualms about this one you know i have sought out professional help on several levels um actually i have a call this week with someone about a different type of uh, help that's being made available to emergency responders um just because of, of, of things that have happened to me. And those are things that are really important and, and change. It's like fix your face. You know, you said that before. And I just thought of that old, that old saying that when we were younger, it's fix your face. Fix you know? your face. I love that. <laughs> well, it's very true. And a, and a lot of what was just said was um, just so powerful. And I, I really hope that anybody listening to this really, really self-reflects on themselves and looks at where they are, and, and if you're not happy, you have the ability to make those changes, and you have the ability to fix it. And the things that are in within your grasp, the things that you control, you can fix. The things outside of that, like you said, you can't change your company, department, or any bigger ticket item that's completely out of your control that you can't manage yourself and make change. You make it work for you. You don't have to. You don't have to throw your hands up in the air and give up. You can apply your methods to a system that might be a little bit broken and make it still work for you. And it takes work. And I think that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing, man, is like, it just takes work. If, if you're complaining about a mutual aid company or the, or the second due engineer territory keeps beating you in for that first due fire because you're, you guys have a slow company or you're lazy. The, the only, it's not, you can't complain about that company beating you or being better than you. You have to fix the issue in your house so that you're better than them. And it takes work. You know what people don't like to do anymore? Work. <laughs> work. 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 <laughs> work. And so, you know, and that's I, I really, I mean, what a great conversation. I'm, I'm so glad that this this peaked its head in this, in this part of it. And I think it all relates back to the topic at hand is riding up and acting in a different position. You know, because you're going to be thrusted into that position and might not have control of how it actually is run or managed, and yet you're expected to run and manage that position with your hands tied. And that's just fact, right? I mean, that just happens in life, and you have to be able to deal with that in a positive way. You could, you can go two ways. You could take that situation and crumble and just throw your hands up in the air, give up, and that when you do that, it then reflects on yourself, the department, and it filters down the line to even the the youngest guy, the probie in your department sees that you don't give a shit and respect that position. 
Or you could take the high road and say, listen, guys, I don't agree with everything that this job does, entails the decisions I have to make or the administrative bullshit I have to deal with, but that's part of the job, and I'm going to do this job the very best I can. You could take those two roads, but the positive road does a much better job at making and affecting change to make that job better than taking the low road and just throwing your hands up and, and, and giving up. And when you give up, nothing good ever happens. No, that situation just gets worse. And you have given up and I have given up and we've all done it times in our lives. And sometimes that has made things, uh, has exponentially made the problem worse is the easiest way I can say that. And that yeah. self-realization, right? That you can't do that. And Listen, it's just like saying before, taking that extra couple seconds before you make your decision. You know, sometimes that couple extra seconds is a couple extra minutes in life and a couple extra days or weeks. Yes. Right. You just didn't, the national fire radio that I found online, however many years ago, does not look the same way it looks today. And that's because you took the time to keep evolving and to keep working hard to making it better. And it didn't, it, there wasn't always better, right? There were some times where that didn't, Bro, you know, you I've to. talked to you, I've talked to you a lot. <laughs> yeah. You're you're one of my guys that if I'm if I need an opinion or an idea or I just need to vent, you're you're on my list of a few people that I trust and call. And uh, and you and I have had some pretty deep conversations about certain things. And I value your friendship and your point of view. And you've always been able to, uh, and you're very good at uh, looking at things a little bit differently than I do. Or even if we agree on something, you could even take the other side of the conversation and kind of make me refocus a little bit or, or take a, 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 you know, a step back and take a bigger view of the situation before I make a decision. So I value guys like you. Uh, there's only a few of them in my life that I, that I can truly be honest and, and upfront with uh, in regards to certain things in my life. And you're one of them. And uh, well, for I, that, I'm, I'm appreciative and very grateful for what we have. I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I can honestly say I was not always that way. Yeah. You know, I didn't always have that ability. That came with some maturity on my end. There it sure. is again. Right? And it's it's right in there. And it's the same, the same flipping it back to being on the job. I'll still call an, another officer that's on on duty with me and be like, yo, did I just sound like a tool on the radio when I said <laughs> that to, to Engine 1A? Like, did I because I felt like a tool when in when I said that on the radio, I was like this mother like and like an, it came out in a I'm way an I'm idiot like, yeah yeah like do you think that they that he got and then sometimes people will be like yeah you are an asshole yep. you know what i mean like yeah and then i'm like all right i just needed to hear it from someone else and then at, again at this point in my career i'm like hey man let, let's talk real quick like sorry about that what went down in there give me some more feedback you know to the person that i said it to um, because of that, because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we evolve yep. in every aspect of our lives. Agreed. I find it more with my kids these days, you know, 12 and 12 and nine, where I'm like, I need to take a second. You know, I can't fly off the handle here and, and figure this out. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, your, no, I, your kids I'm, are all a little older. Let me tell you, you, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. And I think that that's part of it, you know, um, in, 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 uh, in the equation is that, you know, real life, the way you manage real life is is distributed and portrayed in the firehouse. And so when we talk about topics on the on the show and, and through these episodes, 
it's not just stuff related to the firehouse. You could take any conversation in life and translate it to the firehouse, and you could take any conversation in the firehouse and translate it to real life. And I think that's the most important thing. And what a lot of guys do is compartmentalize uh, life from the firehouse, and it's like they, you could, I mean, they could be like two separate people. And I just don't know if that's the right equation or not. Maybe if it works for you, but I think a lot of times that separation between real life and the firehouse life um, can can get blurry. And I think that's where we start to have some problems and, and individuals and guys and girls have problems and struggles because of that. And I think it's important to be able to be yourself. And, and you know, you, you have to, as much as you got the bravado and you got to, you got to, you know, you think you got to maintain a certain image at the firehouse, it's okay to, you know, let your guard down every once in a while and be yourself too. And, um, you know, you got to be accountable for that. And, and at the end of the day, you got to be able to put your head on the pillow and sleep well at night. And so, you know, that's, that's important, man. And it's, it's how you carry yourself and conduct business all day long is what makes you the person you are. So. I mean, my commute changed me on that end of it. Where like now I used to live five minutes from the firehouse. Yeah. And now I live 30 minutes from the firehouse. And I didn't realize until I started walking in the door after a 30 minute phone call with you or a podcast or Sunday morning coffee house music on the turnpike, how different I felt walking into my house than that five minutes of firehouse mode yeah. to come home. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want to walk into a, maybe a wife that's been up all night yep. with a baby or something oh, sure. in firehouse mode if you don't have to. It didn't yeah. work out well for me in my marriage there for a few times. You know, for those, that yeah. little bit of a time. You know, it's funny you say um, that because one of the one of the important things, I know a lot of people, a lot of the feedback we get, and we're trying to keep these episodes under an hour because it's an easy listen, right? Most guys, if they have a commute to the firehouse, whatever, you know, it's a good time they can listen and typically squeeze in an hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour for the commute so they can listen to the whole episode. And for me, I've been ending a lot of the episodes asking the guests, like, what's good? There's so much, the negativity always overshadows the good and it's easier to be negative than it is positive. And so I like asking guys that are on the show with me. I don't do it with everyone, but if time permits, it's like, what's good? Like what excites you? What's because I think that leaving the podcast on an up note where, you know, we just you and I just ranted for 15 minutes about accountability and all that. And I can get heavy and it can get burdensome. Right. But ultimately, like, what's good, man? So you got like five, 10 minutes left with me. What's good? What's good? What's I mean, what's good is is, is kind of what we've been talking about in a way, you know, is trying to evolve. Yeah. Right. I am always trying to evolve and to mature and to become better um, for myself or for my family. So my boys can see this. Yeah. You know, my my boys are maturing one. The older one kind of has a girlfriend now or something like that. From which goes to another school. They talk a lot online and all this. Yeah. Right. Mama Pip is not a, I'm working on that. It's a new, it's a new concept over here. Right. Yeah. That's maturing. What is he doing? Yeah. He's maturing. Right. And that's all good stuff. That's what's going to happen. I love that. It means I have to mature as his parent. Sure I do. Checking way more text messages now than I've ever checked in the past. And, you know, all these things that come. But I think that's good. It comes with growth. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trying to do things with 555. And it's, we talked about it in the beginning of this episode. It's a very different landscape now. Maybe 555 isn't needed so much anymore because 
cities and towns and departments are spending money on fitness equipment that they weren't spending 10 years ago. Um, so I have to figure out how to evolve that. And I think that's a good thing. You know, when you're stagnant in your life, what do you have to look forward to tomorrow? Yeah. You know, when it's just going to be the same thing and, and that's what you and I talk about. And I know you kind of mentioned, you asked me if I wanted to maybe bring this up or not or how it goes, but you know, we got to get back into the size up somehow. Yeah. You know, that was something you and I started. You, you allowed me to start, I should say, I guess is a good way and, and helped me start. And we got sidetracked because the world got fooky. Well, the and- world got fooky. But the other thing, too, in, in full transparency in that conversation, if people listening don't understand, when I started National Fire Radio four and a half, five years ago, the idea was to bring on alternate uh, shows, podcasts, social media pl- channels that will be underneath the National Fire Radio umbrella. And, and really looking at it's a platform that we want to get involved in all permissions of the emergency services and one step at a time. The problem was... My my desire to scale quickly, right, as much as I talk about long game and taking our time, I jumped the gun with asking different personalities to come onto the platform without the ability to support them correctly. And so when you and I first sat down years ago and I said, hey, man, I love what you're doing with the fitness space. I think we could do something. We crafted the whole concept of the size up, which I think is so cool because it's a firematic term, but it's also health and wellness and sizing up yourself. And I thought you would be the right guy for that. And you are. And but we as National Fire Radio did not have the ability at the moment to really support that and help you grow. And Rush the Bus is another one. They're doing very well on social media. And I have to rekindle the relationship with them to see if it's something that they want to continue and, and hop back in on the platform with us or if they're going to spin off on their own. Like, that's okay. I'm okay with those conversations. But for me, we were growing too fast and we couldn't sustain it. And so the different permissions that came on, even with um, AJ, like I – I, I was supposed to do something in October with him. It fell through because the guest canceled that day, and I didn't want to just bring AJ in, so that fell apart. And I haven't, like, we talked briefly after that, and I haven't even rescheduled it with him yet, and I feel terrible about it. But the problem is, is as we scale and grow this thing, truthfully what it comes down to is time. And I am so strapped for time, so it's hard for me to make commitments to people if I can't follow through on them. And, and you were one of the people that I dropped the ball on and I know you and I've talked about it and you know, and so on. And I, and I still think that there's an incredible Avenue there and you and I just have to really look at when the timing is going to be right and what the, what it looks like to get it back up and running. But I think the size up could be a very powerful podcast and, and, and platform to really deliver good information to the fire service and the emergency services. So that's not dead. And we're going to get you back and and uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. It's just a matter of when, and uh, when we're ready to do that and when to make it, you know, feasible and, and uh, you know, reality, if you will. So we're going to get there. Well, I know we are. I think, too, I think, too, and not trying to steal your job because this is your show, but I did I did host eight episodes of The Size Up or yeah. something like that, you know, and, and hosting. But, you know, in, in rounding out this episode, you know, and what we're talking about today and this maturing, you know, taking on new responsibilities in your career and your, your outside life, or your personal life, whatever it is. You know, those are some of those things that had you and I not been honest with each other right. at those times, 100%. we would not be in this position we are today of Correct. still being good friends and trying to move a, a project on that 
we know absolutely nothing about, right? I guess now you know a little more than you, like a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, I'll give you, I'll give you oh this I've learned a ton, you know let me bit. tell you. I've right? learned a but ton. You think, you yeah. think you kind of, oh yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then you start, and, and we even started doing it, right? Yeah. And it was, it was grooving, you know what I mean? Like the plans were there and then things happened. Yeah. And I could have very much been like, oh, this Jeremy and Rob National Fire Radio guys, they screwed me over. They didn't do what they said or, you know, we signed a contract, even though we didn't, there were no contracts. Right, 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 right. But like, you know, like, and you have that. And what is that? That's that negativity. Right. That's that, you know, you lead off with that and it's bad. It was one of those things like, hey, and, and I had stuff going on in my life at that time, too, that 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 added all into this. You know, it's not just all Jeremy couldn't National Fire Radio couldn't support what I wanted to do. But together, we knew that we can keep working on this. And I appeared on some more episodes of National Fire 100%. Radio kind of as the size of, you know, Rob and I did one of the best episodes interviews I ever think I've done is with, with Dallas Cooper. I don't know what number yeah. that is or where right. that came out of Texas. And that was a great, I listen to that sometimes still. And I'm like, and I don't like to listen to myself, but it was just one of those things. And yeah. as we mature together, we're going to make it better. Yeah, I, I think that that's the same thing as acting up, man. You, listen, can, you can always make it better one step at a time. Transparency, you know, authenticity and just being honest, man. It goes yeah. so far. You might have some pain up front. But the but the return and the and the long play on honesty will always win. Honesty yes. always wins. It might not be in the upfront, but in the long haul, it will certainly pay dividends. And so honesty matters for sure. So well, listen, brother, I appreciate you. What a great topic today. And and uh, I always love chatting with you. So I mean, that's kind of what this is all about, was just recording phone calls and then putting them up for people to listen to us chat. But what a great call, man. What a great topic. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate it's you. It's funny. It, what, what is kind of funny about this? And you said it was going to be this way. And I kind of was like, eh, maybe it won't be. A, you know, maybe it'll be a little different. This is like one of our phone calls. Like if I was driving home from work, all, all of the topics we just talked about were literally what you and I would be probably talking about on, on a phone call. Um, so it was great. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. I'm stoked to be a part of all this again. You are. And, and like I said, we are going to, we are going to light the fuse again and, and get you up and running. And it's just a matter of when and what it looks like, but, uh, I'm excited to do that. And like I said, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, learning lessons as we grow a platform and there's going to be struggles and there's going to be slowdowns and speed ups and there's going to be speed bumps and everything along the way. And so, you know, I think that's where being honest and upfront with with the people that you partner with and work with matters. And uh, so, I appreciate you, man. Truly appreciate you. Thanks for a great uh, a great hour with you. And um, people want to reach out. Where can they find you? Uh, best place is still Instagram. Cool. Five 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 pip is probably the best. P I P. Yeah, we still have the size up Instagram. I don't really do much with that, but it, go for it's at right. 555 Pip. It's there. No worries. <laughs> it is 555 there. Pip on Instagram. Reach out. Tell Pip you said hello. And uh, if you got any questions or ideas about uh, riding up, put them in the comments. Like, share, subscribe. Check out the podcast. Talk about it at the table because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. Pip, thanks for joining me, pal. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.